Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's successful real estate professional as they share it with you. Let's go. A quick word from our sponsor, The Door Devil. Homeowners spend hundreds on alarm systems each year, but rarely reinforce the weakest point on the home, the doors. Bad guys know this, and that's why kick-ins are so common. Simply adding door devils virtually eliminates the home security gap. Sleep better tonight. Reinforce your doors. Visit doordevil.com and enter best ever to get an exclusive 20% discount on your purchase. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and I'm here with today's guest, Joel Block. Hi, Joel. Hey, how are you? Doing well, and boy, you have a tremendous amount of experience, and I am so excited to speak with you, and the best ever listeners are going to get a lot out of this, especially anyone who's interested in raising money and syndicating deals. A little bit about Joel before he gets into his background and his focus in more detail. He is the CEO of Bullseye Capital Real Property Opportunity Fund. He started in the business as a CPA, so he comes from a, a numbers analytical background. He syndicated about 40 different deals where he's raised money and brought in investors and shared in the profits. And he spent 15 years in venture capital uh, business. So he has a tremendous amount of experience and very fortunate to be speaking with him. So. Joel, with that being said, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more background on um, what you've been up to and what you're focused on now? Well, first of all, uh, yeah, thanks very much. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to chat with you this morning. Um, you know, I started in the CPA business, but it really didn't agree with me. You know, people think that CPAs are great in math, but uh, I would I would say that they're really just good in arithmetic. And and so, uh, you know, I am pretty good in arithmetic, but. Uh, doing the numbers really wasn't my thing. So uh, I left that business after I had uh, done a bunch of tax work for a big real estate syndicator and really got turned on to that business. Uh, left the firm uh, where I was and uh, started a real estate syndication firm uh, with another young guy. We just cold called a bunch of doctors and asked them for some money, which is not a good idea. We broke just about every rule in the book at that time, but uh, we didn't know any better. 
and we managed to you know raise money to do our first deal, and then we did another deal, and over the next couple of years, we did a total of about eight deals, and, and then I fell into a venture capital transaction uh, where I, uh, me and another guy, invented the concept of delivering stock quotes to investors by fax, and uh, raised about ten million dollars for that company, and. You know, I've just I've done a lot of different kinds of deals. I mean, uh, venture deals and real estate deals, and uh, in, in all different kinds of industries: media, construction, uh, recycling, all kinds of stuff. I mean, once you learn how to raise money, and once you learn how to, you know, engineer a deal, uh, you can pretty much engineer for anything. And those are pretty important skills to have, as you can imagine. When you're focused on a number one being a money manager and and raising the money um how challenging is it uh to come across different opportunities and become an expert in those because as you mentioned you've participated um in a lot of deals and a lot of different industries well sometimes uh you know these things you know the, the deals or ideas were my own uh, they weren't always though because when you you know when you have good financial skills uh, you know, and good deal structuring skills, and especially then when you acquire money raising skills, people start coming to you with all kinds of opportunities. So the only opportunities in the world are not the ones that you come up with. Uh, there are lots of great ideas that other people have, and you want to open yourself to uh, participating with them. So I've been invited into all kinds of fields, and then I lend you know my expertise to those things. And uh, I'm a I'm a big believer that. Most of business is a team sport, and you have to work with other people, uh, and you have to cooperate with other people. And, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs think that they're just going to do 100% of it. They're going to keep 100% of the profits all to themselves, and they end up with a teeny little grape instead of uh, focusing on building a watermelon. And, you know, it just it's the successful entrepreneurs are focused on watermelons. Uh, everybody else is looking at grapes and tomatoes. And... Uh, you know, you can really tell which people are going to be successful based on the attitude that they have right out of the gate. In addition to being focused on, you know, the big picture, the watermelon um, versus having the grape all to yourself, what are some – because you just mentioned that you can tell um, who's going to be the successful ones or not. What are some of the other attitudes or beliefs that uh, the successful entrepreneurs have? Well, you know, first of all, uh, you have to be a team player. You have to be coachable. You have to take a little bit of feedback. Sometimes uh, that feedback is not always pleasant, uh, but you have to be willing to listen and learn. Uh, you know, you have to get along with people. Uh, I think that you have to like people in general. Uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of movement you know toward technology, but the truth is that you know business is really about sales and getting people to do things and. You know, computers uh, can certainly help, but they're not the whole story. So, you know, you really have to be people-oriented. Uh, most entrepreneurs are because they understand that uh, business is really about getting people to do things, like write checks. And, you know, if you can uh, if you can get people to, you know, move along or sell you a piece of real estate or rent an apartment from you or whatever it is you want them to do, then you're going to be successful. And you just have to be focused on that. Joel, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Uh, I'd say uh, make sure you have enough capital to make the thing happen. Whatever it is you're going to do, 
make sure you're not undercapitalized because being undercapitalized is almost a guarantee that your ship is going to sink. And unfortunately, most people who should be successful are missing the one most important component, and that is that they're undercapitalized. And so if you can, at the very least, come to the table with enough money, and second best is come to the money, come to the table with the money in advance. Because if you have the money in advance, in other words, the bullets are in your gun, uh, you have the ability to negotiate uh, the best deals that are possible. Have you experienced a time, perhaps early on in your career, where you did not have enough capital to make it happen? Well, it, ha- it happens all the time. I, I, I still have that problem. We all have that problem. You know, Warren Buffett and Bill Gates uh, have that problem. Nobody has all the capital to do all the things in the world that they want. So, again, you have to cooperate with other people. And, you know, for me in particular, whenever I've been, uh, you know, short on capital, I've always believed I could sell myself out of the hole either uh, by raising more money or by selling products. And I generally have been successful in making that happen, although there have been a couple times when, when I just couldn't sell myself out of the hole and those deals didn't work out very well. But in general, uh, you know, a lot of people do try to sell themselves out of the hole and it's, uh, it's terribly difficult to do. You're under a tremendous amount of pressure and most of the time it does not work out. You know, sometimes it does, but a lot of times it does not. And if I could just say one thing, that is uh, try to avoid being in that very difficult situation. What are some ways to avoid being in a situation where you're undercapitalized? Well, first of all, you got to plan. Planning is everything. You know, there used to be, I used to have a boss years ago that said, plan your work and work your plan. And that pretty much uh, tells the whole story. You know, make a budget in advance. How much money do you need? I mean, I don't know. I think a lot of entrepreneurs, they just wing things too much. They, they just try to wing it. Uh, you know, I think all of us wing it a little bit. None of us have the... Uh, strategic planning skills or the uh, the ability to do strategic planning the way corporate America does. So a lot of entrepreneurs just try to kind of make it happen as they can. But the truth is that there are certain things that you have to do. you got to have a budget. you got to know what your cash flow is, where is your money going to come from, how much money do you need to make your project work. If you don't have a sense about some of these issues, uh, you're almost in, inevitably going to come up against a roadblock, and, and sometimes they're roadblocks that you can't control. And here's the thing, you know, it's, it's Murphy's Law, you know, uh, whatever's going to go wrong is going to go wrong. Uh, you know, it always happens. Stuff always goes wrong. And so, you know, if you can plan 90% of the stuff, control what you can control, then you're going to be successful because there is going to be some percentage of the stuff that's going to go control, but if the rest of the stuff is inside your control, Unless it's catastrophic, you'll figure it out. And and that's really the most important thing to remember is if you can plan, budget, organize your your affairs in a way that uh, that works, then you should um, you should be able to be successful. Going back to your early days when you said you were cold calling a bunch of doctors and asking for money and pretty much breaking every rule in the book. But besides the point of breaking every rule in the book on that, how did you? Speak to uh, potential investors who did not know you, and how did you, in that particular instance, uh, have you know, work with them um, so that they eventually invested in you and your 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 partner's business? 
Well, you know, you only have to get one. And once once you have one, then you can get some referrals to other people, and that really breaks the walls down. So the first, I can't entirely remember where the first one came from, but I do know that most of them, you know, then you can call the next one and say, listen, uh, Dr. Smith gave us your phone number. He said that uh, maybe this would be something that you'd be interested in. We just acquired a, a building, and here's what we think is going to happen. Uh, we'd like to show it to you, or we'd like to show you some materials about the project. And you can't, you can't cold call everyone because it, it, the process takes too long. So you need to get referrals and introductions. You need to have uh, testimonials about your character. And, and that's why, you know, people who raise money tend to have experience. One thing that you'll find is that uh, if you don't have any experience, if you don't have two nickels or up together, you're not going to be able to raise any money because one thing about investors, they're kind of funny about this, uh, they don't want to give you their money uh, so that you can practice with it. Nobody wants you to practice with their money. It just it just doesn't work for them. And one of the things that uh, that I always say is that there's a reason that doctors practice on cadavers. You know, you, you don't want to practice uh, in a situation where there could be a catastrophic problem. So you really want to make sure that you uh, get experience. And it's only after you have some experience that you're going to be able to raise capital from investors. And, and then really get yourself to the next level. So you got to pay some dues and learn the business, uh, you know, really uh, hone, your, uh, hone your skills. And by doing that, uh, you'll start to be successful. And that's really the most important thing that you can do. And lastly, before we get into the lightning round, how does an investor get that experience like doctors practice on cadavers? How can an investor have a similar type of experience? Well, you know, listen, I mean, uh, if you're flipping properties, uh, you know, you're, you're doing whatever, either either whatever you can inside your own experience or you're on a team with some other people, somehow or another, you have to be around the business uh, where you are so that you're making mistakes in a controlled environment so that you're learning from other people's mistakes where making mistakes doesn't cost catastrophically. And that's really what you have to avoid. Number one, a, a catastrophic mistake is going to come back and haunt you. Uh, potentially financially and otherwise. Uh, also, if something really terrible goes wrong, do you think you're going to be successful raising money next time? I mean, listen, if the economy collapses, that's one thing. It's kind of outside your control. But if uh, if you do something that is absolutely uh, you know silly that other professional people would not have done because they've got more experience than you, then you're not somebody who's going to be successful raising money in the future. So cut your teeth, practice uh, you know, in whatever way you have to practice. And then once you've gotten some good skills, and, and you'll know when that is. I mean, you know, people will contact me and say, listen, do I have enough skills to be able to go out and raise some money? But I'll ask them, you know, what are your skill sets? And they'll say, you know, I've done the following things. And I can always tell, listen, you it sounds like you've got enough track record that people would probably uh, give you a chance and, you know, want to bet on you. I mean, the question is, if you go to somebody and say, listen, uh, I'm very good at this, and I can make a bunch of money, uh, you know, would somebody say that I want to ride on your coattails with you and share the profits by putting up some cash? Would somebody say that? If they would say it, then you'll be successful. If they would not say that about you, then probably not. So you just have to be honest with yourself about, you know, where you are in your career and what your skill sets are. Are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Well, I'm as ready as I can be. Best ever book you've read? 
I read a uh, book by Harry Lorraine called The Memory Book in uh, when I was about 17 years old, and it was How to Improve Your Memory, and it has uh, dramatically affected my life uh, forever forward. Well, then, I will be buying that book today. <laughs> <laughs> Best ever personal growth experience and what you've learned from it. Uh, well, I... Uh, I made a cold call into the Los Angeles Times uh, pitching a project, and uh, which which they ended up uh, doing the deal with me. And uh, I became very good friends with uh, the president of one of their divisions. And that whole process where he really mentored me through the, the relationship with corporate America really turned out to be one of my most important uh, experiences as a young person. What are the details on that deal? Well, uh, I mentioned earlier that... Uh, Another guy and I had invented the concept of delivering stock quotes to investors by fax, and we cold called the Los Angeles Times. Uh, I pitched the idea to them, and they said that they wanted to do it. So they put up uh, not only the cash, but also uh, you know advertising and other kinds of resources uh, for us to do it. They gave us everything that we needed. In fact, they gave us so much resources that if we didn't succeed, it would have been my fault, not their fault. So there was a tremendous amount of pressure on me to, you know, to make that happen. I went to New York and got uh, the brokerage firms on Wall Street uh, to buy subscriptions to our products and to back it, and it ended up becoming a rather successful business, uh, which I sold uh, to the Times in 1995. What did you learn from that experience? Well, for, I learned a lot of things. Number one, uh, I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, corporate America is not for me. Uh, but corporate America has a lot of power. You know, in corporate America, people change jobs. Uh, you know, you're, you're working on, uh, you know, selling somebody something, and you're pounding on them for six months. You're calling them, calling them. And next thing you know, they've left that job. They've got another job, and then you're going to start the cycle over again. So corporate selling is very difficult. Uh, there's a great amount of diversity in corporate America, much more diversity uh, than in entrepreneurial companies. So uh, entrepreneurial companies tend to, you know, be more homogeneous and, and you know, a little easier to understand as an outsider. So there were there were a lot of uh, a lot of experiences that were uh, you know all positive and and all uh, educational. Best ever success habit you practice? I'm very optimistic. I, I just I, I don't want anybody around me ever to say anything negative. Now that doesn't mean I don't want to take feedback that could be helpful. But I can't listen to anything that's negative. If, if you're telling me something negative, I'm just not interested in hearing about it because I don't want to dampen my spirits. And so, therefore, I pick positive people to be around, and and I bet on other people who are also positive. I could I completely agree. It's it's like it's toxic being around negativity and. Um, it just it physically makes my my head spin when I'm if I'm around that it's you have to surround yourself at least I personally believe that I I have to surround myself with positive feelings positive thoughts and and positive people I love that the funny thing is negative people don't even know that they're negative they just think that they're they're being realistic <laughs> and you know it, realistic. Uh, you know, can be positive or negative. You know, my my realist, my realistic is positive. I, I constantly believe that things are going to happen. I constantly believe that, that people are decent. I constantly believe that uh, things are going to work out. 
and and generally they do. Generally, the way I expect to see the world is uh, is how it is. Now, it's not to say once in a while I'm not surprised and disappointed by a few people, but more or less the world goes the way I want it to. You know, if you have a different expectation, if you expect the world to be terrible, you're pretty much going to get what you expect. Right. That's kind of how it works. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a book. I think it's called Learned Optimism, and in the book there's a study where they 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 pro- prove that pessimistic people are generally more accurate when assessing their own performance. However, optimistic people achieve greater things because pessimistic people they're more accurate in their assessment, but because they're so darn accurate, they don't continue to proceed and try and accomplish something greater. Whereas optimistic people are like, you know what? That didn't go well, but that's okay. I'm going to keep rocking it out. I'm going to keep on pushing forward. And yeah. then they tend to keep going. And as you know, as an entrepreneur, it's not really about the idea. It's about the execution. And it's about persevering through the execution because there's always going to be stumbling blocks. And um, that's yeah. something that I, I, I really resonated with me. And when you said that, it reminded me. Yep. I, I sure sure feel that way. Best ever deal you've done? Uh, we bought a shopping center uh, in uh, 1987. And we were having a problem with that uh, shopping center. Uh, and we couldn't raise the money because we had overpaid for it. And so we uh, went back to negotiate, and the seller would not renegotiate with us. So we were going to lose our $25,000 deposit, which at that time was all the money in the world because we were very young guys. And we had to come up with a strategy for uh, renegotiating that building. And in 1987, the enormous scare was asbestos. And so we... Uh, called an asbestos contractor to come out and inspect the building, and they found a trace amount. And when we showed the uh, attorney and the seller the uh, the report, uh, they practically uh, were they they got so scared that they practically gave the building away to us. I mean, they they reduced it by you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. The entire amount of the remediation uh, was credited to us. So uh, that was a pretty smooth uh, arrangement. I've had a couple of uh, of really cool ones, but that one sticks out as, as something interesting. Best ever quote? Well, um, I don't know about somebody else's quote, but uh, the best quote that I uh, like, and you know, there's, there's actually two of them for me. One is, uh, the money's not in the real estate, the money's in the money. And so what that means is that you know you don't make the money by controlling the real estate, you make the money by controlling the money. And it's not just real estate, it's, it's whether you're making a film or a business, the guys that control the money are the guys that make the money, and that's just a fact of life. So the money's in the money. And the uh, the second thing is is that money follows expertise. The better you are at something, the more money is going to follow you and the more money you're going to uh, attract and make. So always focus on being really good at what you do because uh, you can fake it for a teeny little while, but, uh, but not very long. So just be really good at what you do, and it's going to work out. Joel, what's the best ever place to reach you? Uh, you know what? I'll give you my cell phone number, uh, or you know, you can call my uh, you can call my number at eight one eight nine one seven zero six seven zero. And uh, you know, if you're an investor, if you're uh, somebody who wants to raise money, wants to learn how to get into the syndication hedge fund business, and you want to talk about that, uh, I'm I'm happy to uh, have a conversation.
And you weren't going to plug this, but I would if it's okay with you because Brian, a previous guest, uh, spoke so highly of it. Do you have a seminar that you do? Is it in Vegas? Twice, twice a year, uh, we invite a small group of, uh, of people who are experienced in, in real estate or venture or whatever they're doing who want to learn how to raise money. And we have one coming up actually in two weeks. It's called the Syndication and Hedge Fund Symposium. Uh, CPAs, attorneys, bankers, lenders, investment bankers, financial advisors, real estate brokers and investors uh, come and learn how to put together uh, a deal so that they can raise money into it. Uh, they learn how to put together a deal so that an investor can say yes. They learn how to put together a deal so that they can be satisfied with the fees and the remuneration that they receive. Uh, you know, it's it's very Wall Street level material. It's it's really the inside of how the deal works. Very few people have ever been exposed to the inside of the deal, and that's uh, we share that information. Uh, it's a it's a very tiny little uh, little group. It's about uh, 45 or 50 people. Uh, the one coming up in uh, Later this month, it's already sold out. They always sell out. So if somebody's interested in that, they should call me right away and, uh, you know, we'll either get you on a waiting list or we'll get you, you know, in line for next time. All right. Well, Joel, thank you so much for sharing your advice with the best ever listeners and talking about raising money and entrepreneurship and past deals and uh, bringing all of your experience in, uh, you know, to, to the best ever listeners. Much appreciated. I know uh, we all got a lot out of it. Well, thanks very much for having me. Nice to visit. Okay. Bye. Hey, you, best ever listener. Do you want more? Then head to JoeFairless.com, where there are tons of free videos, templates, and content to help you get deals done. And if you want Joe to personally help you reach your goals, then go to the Work With Joe tab on JoeFairless.com and apply to, well, Work With Joe. 